Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for coming back for another episode. I'm your host, Brad Betke. I'm excited for this week. We'll be talking about the biggest surprise cuts for the 22 NFL rosters, an MLB playoff picture. We'll be talking about Donovan Mitchell to the Cavaliers, some games to watch for college football week one, and of course, this week's fast break. So sit back, relax, and I can't believe I'm saying this for episode 40 of the Box Score Sports Podcast. Took my baby to the highest highs. Told my shawty it's gonna be a lonely ride. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. We are up to 40 episodes deep for the Box Score Sports Podcast. I'm excited. I thank y'all for sticking with me if you have been. And for my newcomers, I'm glad you could join us. This week is awesome because it means there's only one week left until the NFL regular season begins and only one more sleep until college football begins. It's exciting. I can't help it. I just love football, as any man would. It, for my men out there, let, let's be honest with ourselves. We are simple creatures, right? We just need the things that make us happy, and one of those things is football. So, it's it, simple as that. Let's jump right into it, guys. I want to go over some of the biggest surprise names in the cuts for the 2022 NFL rosters, starting with... A name we know well, wide receiver Josh Gordon was cut from the Kansas City Chiefs despite the very new receiving core in Kansas City. Josh Gordon still just wasn't able to make the cut. Tight end O.J. Howard on the Buffalo Bills. He was initially brought in to be the backup for Dawson Knox. But despite a bad camp and a bad preseason he will not make the roster offensive tackle Alex Leatherwood for the Oakland Raiders one of the most underwhelming first round picks that we've had in quite a while was drafted in 2017 first round pick out of Alabama I believe and couldn't even make it five years on the team Uh, it's been rough for the kid Quarterback Josh Rosen for the Cleveland Browns. I find this ironic because for those that have been listening to these episodes, you know that not a super long time ago, I acknowledged that it was kind of weird that I thought that they had signed Josh Rosen while also having Jacoby Brissett and Joshua Dobbs. Not to mention another name that is on this list next, Kellen Mond, quarterback from the Minnesota Vikings. He was cut from the Vikings due to high hopes out of Texas A&M from a 2021 third-round pick, but it just didn't work out, and the Browns actually have claimed him to be their third quarterback because as of right this moment, technically Deshaun Watson is not on the roster. He technically would be under the pup list. Looking at another surprising name, another name we know well, running back Phillip Lindsay for the Indianapolis Colts. You know the name because he was Denver's two-time leading rusher back-to-back seasons. Since then, going to Houston and now Indy, and has just somewhat fallen off. It's one of those guys that you would think 
were just kind of situational and worked well within the organization and game plan of the team that they were on. Running back Sony Michelle out of Georgia from the Miami Dolphins. Unfortunately, it was less about Sony Michelle's lack of talent and more about the Dolphins' backfield being, in my opinion, the deepest backfield in football. So I do think that Michelle will get another opportunity on another team. I just am not surprised that it wasn't the Dolphins. Running back Marlon Mack, who was a longtime Indianapolis Colt and now just released from the Houston Texans. It's clear that Damian Pierce will be their RB1. He has emerged, not to mention Rex Burkhead has been doing well as well. And it just seems that Marlon Mack is not needed. Defensive tackle Danny Shelton from the Kansas City Chiefs was Cleveland's former first-round pick in 2015, but he, year by year, has just not lived up to expectations. Drafted by Cleveland in 2015, was on New England for a year or so, and then finished his current currently finished his career with the Kansas City Chiefs. It is possible that he may be on the tail end of his career already. Lastly, running back Tevin Coleman was released by the New York Jets. Not much of a surprise looking at their young, talented backfield of Brees Hall and Michael Carter. It just looks like they weren't able to make room for a guy like Tevin Coleman. I did add an honorable mention on this list as well. Somebody who is a big name, but it wasn't as surprising that they were released. Running back Duke Johnson. You may have remembered him from a couple good seasons, a couple good games a few seasons ago with the Cleveland Browns back when Kareem Hunt was the RB1. Um, but you look at, the, he's he was released by Buffalo, by the way. Um, but you look at Buffalo's backfield, it doesn't really make, it's not that much of a surprise that he was released. Uh, you have Devin Singletary, James Cook, and Zach Moss that beat Duke out, and that's not much of a surprise. So uh, it's unfortunate, but yeah, honor, honorable mention for that there. So those are my biggest surprise cuts for the 2022 rosters. I just think that these are players that we recognize their names fairly well, just from popularity, whether it have been in college or in the league as well. And I'll be surprised to see whether or not these guys get put on rosters. Obviously, I mentioned Kellen Mond is already back on another one, which is good for him because um, he was talented at Texas A&M, and it just didn't work out after there. So, um We'll see what happens with the rest of these guys and if they can make it onto a team within the next week or so. Next up, you guys, I want to take a brief look at the MLB playoff picture. We're about a month out from playoffs beginning, and I just want to go over the current division leaders, uh, your wild cards, and also um, a team or so, a team or two that I think could make could be pushing to make the cusp of playoffs. So starting in the Atlantic Division, your division leaders in the West are Houston with a record of 84-47. and 47. They've been red hot this year. Um, despite a little streak here and a little streak there, they've, they've been doing really well. So I would say they just need to be a little more consistent on defense but other than that I think they're doing really well and it's pretty clear that they're going to make another big run in the east you have the Yankees 
I feel like we're never not talking about the Yankees. They're the Lakers of the MLB. They have a record of 79-52. and 52. They were on a real hot streak. I'm sure you all remember me a few weeks ago discussing how hot the Yankees had been, but they did go on a bit of a losing streak almost, if you will, and the players just haven't been performing as well. And then in the Central, you have... The Cleveland Guardians with a record of 68-60. and 60. Now, some of you might be like, Cleveland, the third best team in the Atlantic? Well, they're not. They're just the division leader in the Central Division. Looking at some of the wild card teams, note all three have better records than the Guardians. You have the Tampa Bay Rays with a record of 72-57. and 57. The Seattle Mariners with a record of 72 and 58. And the Toronto Blue Jays with a record of 70 and 59. Real quick, can we talk about how the West in the Atlantic is stacked? I'm sorry, not the West, the East. The East. You have the Yankees, the Rays, and Toronto, all 70 win teams. They're the only division in baseball. Like that. They easily the best division in baseball. No doubt. No doubt about it. Now, there are two teams that I think are right on the edge of making it happen. The Baltimore Orioles are currently at a record of 68 and 61, only two wins behind the next in their division. And the Minnesota Twins, who are 67 and 62, I think all it takes is one couple, one good sweep of a series and keeping a over 500 record at least for the next month, and I think they'll do just fine. And they could potentially make that wild card spot. Moving over to the National League. In the Western Division, you have the Dodgers, who are the first 90-win team this season. They've been on quite a run lately with a record of 90-39 and 39 as of right now. In the East, you have the New York Mets, who are 83-48. and 48. Man, now with the Grom being back on top of Scherzer, they have arguably one of the best bullpens in baseball. It's crazy. Not to mention, obviously, great hitters and a good defensive front as well. Looking at the Central, you have the St. Louis, who have, in my opinion, the MVP of the season, Paul Goldschmidt. He's been playing out of his mind all year long. He's very consistent. Exactly what St. Louis needed. Not to mention, uh, Albert Pujols is on quite a farewell tour. And overall, they're a very well-rounded team right now. With a record of 76-55. Your wild cards, starting with the Atlanta Braves. With a record of 80-51. Not far behind them, you have the Philadelphia Phillies. They did actually, for a little while there, not too long ago, have a bit of a run where it looked like they might not make the playoffs. But they figured it out. They cleaned it up and got back on track. Obviously, we all know they started the season well. Um, but they did get, they did have a bit of a hiccup in the middle of the season there. Their record is currently sitting at 73 and 58. And then your final wild card would be the San Diego Padres with a record of 73 and 59. This team has been hit with a curveball, ironically that I say that. I don't mean that in baseball sense. I just mean in general. 
losing Tatis for the remainder of the season after they already didn't have him to start this. He's one of the best defenders in the league, one of the best shortstops, not to mention his hitting ability. It's a big loss, but they do still have Machado, not to mention picking up big bomb bat Juan Soto and his former teammate and still current teammate, but I mean former teammate on his last team, the Nationals, Josh Bell. Now, looking at the National League, there's really only one team I see giving up any chances of making a run to the playoffs, and that's the Milwaukee Brewers with a record of 69-60. and The next team in line in the National League had 61 wins, and I just think that they are too far behind. You would have to make a historic run through the month of September to make it happen because by the second week of October you're in playoffs, you know, and you only have so many games left. So there you have it folks, there is your playoff picture. I would say that looking at who you have right now just based on consistency, your World Series matchup in my opinion is your Houston Astros matched up against the Dodgers again. I just think the Dodgers have been way too consistent as of late, and I know it's really ironic that I go for the one seed in both sides of things, but the numbers don't lie. Houston has been the most consistent. The Dodgers have been the most consistent, and I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised if another team made a fight for it, but I just don't think that there are any other teams in either division that are better than the teams named, so... There you have it. Let's talk about a trade that happened today, actually. As the day I recorded this, I was a little ticked off because I had finished writing this episode about, oh, I don't know, two hours before the news came out about Donovan Mitchell. And, of course, I would have added him considering my previous episode was almost all basketball talking about his potential trades with the Knicks and such. And... I had lined this whole episode up. I'm glad that it came because it's more content, so I can't be mad about it. But this is the trade that happened today, August, sorry, September 1st. I keep forgetting it's September now. The Utah Jazz is trading Donovan Mitchell to the Cleveland Cavaliers for, now get ready, forward Lori Markkinen. First-round draft pick Ocher Agbaji out of Kansas. Guard Colin Sexton. Three unprotected first-round picks and two pick swaps. I did a while ago, during towards the end of NBA free agency, go over what a pick swap is. Essentially, all it means is that the two teams swap picks and... I guess it depends on what team got what pick, but... Essentially, one team gets the best of both worlds and the other doesn't. Now, Colin Sexton is going to be signing a four-year, $72 million contract on a sign-and-trade deal to the Utah Jazz. So first, let's talk about what the Utah Jazz gave up. Donovan Mitchell. Now, we discussed earlier in the month, I guess earlier August, now it's September, as I just acknowledged. Earlier in August, we acknowledged that Donovan Mitchell is one of the more slept-on stars in this league. He's arguably one of the most consistent in this league. And not to mention, they already lost Rudy Gobert. Now they're going to lose Donovan Mitchell as well. 
So you look at what they got. Lori Markinen, Ocherik Baji, Colin Sexton. Now, I like Sexton. I liked him in college. I liked him in high school. I even back in the May. I remember the first time I had heard about him uh, was about a month before the McDonald's All-American game show, whatever you want to call it, where they, you know, they do the dunk contest and all that stuff. I had heard from him because a buddy of mine had been, you know, just on social media seeing a crazy clip, kind of how we used to see Zion all the time. And I was like, oh, my God, like, this kid is crazy. And I remember because of his name, I remembered who he was, Sexton, you know, my immature little high school ass. Couldn't couldn't let that one go. So Colin Sexton, I've known about him for years. I've always been a big fan, and I was really upset when he got injured. It's really unfortunate. Kids got a raw talent for the game. So I personally think that Utah got a got a steal on Colin Sexton because he hasn't really been completely healthy in a full NBA season yet in his career. Looking at Ekbaji, he was dominant in Kansas. I liked him last year to go earlier than he actually did. So you think about the value that Utah just got for that. I personally think that if he stays healthy, he would be a beneficial forward to have on the Jazz as their roster is starting to run a bit thin now. Not to mention getting forward, Lori Markinen, who was on the Bulls for a while, was traded to the Cavaliers, and he's been doing pretty decent. He's a, he's a good guy to have on your team, um, but I don't think he's going to win you a championship at all. Then you look at what else they got. Three unprotected first-round picks, two pick swaps. Now, three first-round picks. We all know what value you can get out of the first round in any league, so... That's definitely a big deal. I want to talk about the situation, the Utah Jazz. You look at earlier, I think it was this week, R.J. Barrett signed a four-year rookie extension that could be up to worth $120 million. And that had initially really complicated the franchise's off-season trade pursuit of Donovan Mitchell. And as I had mentioned before, that was really the biggest team that people were talking about for a trade for Donovan Mitchell. So I think that that contract had a big effect on what happened here. But you also look at what I discussed before, Donovan Mitchell's trade value, what the Jazz wanted for Donovan Mitchell. My question is this. All the noise that they made trying to get a good trade for Donovan Mitchell, did they get what they wanted? I understand we can sit here and judge and have opinions about the value of the trade and the players they received all day long, but I genuinely, if I had the opportunity to, to ask the Jazz main office, did they get what they wanted? Because in my opinion, I feel like there were so many better situations. Not that I don't like this. I just think that there was more available. You, you, you didn't really gain anything, in my opinion. I don't think you're going to get too much more out of these guys than you did out of Donovan Mitchell. I mean, let's think about it. Between Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert, those two carried the Jazz to the playoffs almost every year. I don't think Colin Sexton, Agbaji, and Markinen are going to be taking the Jazz to the playoffs every year. That's just my opinion. So hopefully they can get some value out of those first rounders in the pick swap because I personally don't think that they got everything they could have out of this trade. Now let's talk about the Cavaliers. You got Donovan Mitchell now. 
personally, I think this team just got better. You look at what they already had. They had an all-star in Darius Garland who, personally, I didn't think he was as good as Sexton initially, but he's proven otherwise. You got Karis LeVert, which you got in a trade. You have returning rookie of the year, Evan Mobley. Kate Cunningham was snubbed. Not to mention the good front court duo, Jared Allen, Kevin Love. I mean, you have talent. Now you add Donovan Mitchell to the mix. So you look at what their potential lineup could be. Darius Garland at the one, Karis LeVert at the two. Or Donovan Mitchell at the two, Karis LeVert at the three. Kevin Love at the four, Mobley at the five, Allen coming off the bench as your six man. And you still got Chetty Osman, Ricky Rubio. Let's not forget about Rubio. He's still pretty good. This team's good, man. They were already playoff team. So you add a star like Donovan Mitchell to the mix, and they were already missing Sexton. Sexton was already injured. They didn't have Ogbaji on their team last year. So really the only thing that they genuinely lost was Lori Markkinen from the team they had last year. Sexton, I don't think he played more than 10 games last year. I could be wholly, completely wrong on that, but I know that Sexton didn't have a big impact on the team's success last season. So as I mentioned, out of everything you gave away other than the first-round picks, you really only lost Lori Markkinen from last year's team. And you gained Donovan Mitchell. Like, that's that's a huge jump, and that's extremely beneficial on the Cavaliers' part. That's why I'm saying that I think what the Cavs got out of this is better than what the Jazz got. The Jazz are a repeat playoff appearance team for the last few years, and they gave up both of their stars in the same offseason, which is appalling to me. I was bewildered when I got this notification about Colin, um, yeah, Colin Sexton and the Donovan Mitchell trade. That's ridiculous. So, all I can really say is look out for the Cavs, man. They might be a sleeper team this year. Adding Donovan Mitchell to the mix, Spider. Y'all are going to see what I mean. This kid is different. That's all I'm saying. Alright, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. It's officially week one of the 2022 college football season. I've got your first key matchup here. Number five, Notre Dame Fighting Irish headed over to the Ohio State Buckeyes coming in at the number two ranked team in the country. Speaking of number two, let's talk about C.J. Stroud, second year quarterback for the Ohio State Buckeyes and finished second for the Heisman Trophy last year to Bryce Young. And despite losing star receivers Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, I still think he makes a great case for the Heisman this coming season. Heading down south, you've got number 11, Oregon Ducks, headed to the number three returning national champions, Georgia Bulldogs. Stetson Bennett, second-year quarterback for the Dogs, has a chip on his shoulder. He wants to win another championship, and let's talk about that defense. A lot of debut players after losing stars, N'Kobe Dean and Jordan Davis, to the NFL Draft. My last key matchup for the day for week one of college football, ladies and gentlemen, you've got the number 23 Cincinnati Bearcats headed over to the number 19th ranked Arkansas Razorbacks. Last year, you had generational talent quarterback Desmond Ritter and corner Sauce Gardner lead the team to be the first ever non-Power 5 school to make it to the college football playoffs. Can they do it again? Was it a one-time thing? Do they have what it takes? Or is Cincy not quite going to make the cut and stay in the lower ranks of the top 25 this season?
I tell you, it takes practice to do that. And them guys on TV, I got a lot more respect for them now after doing that myself. Man, they do that all day. I love it, though. I'd love to be there. I just got to keep practicing. All right, you guys know what comes next. We might have just went fast now, but now it's time for this week's Fast Break. Starting things off, Seattle Mariners outfielder Julio Rodriguez signed a 12-year contract for $209.3 million, including a $15 million signing bonus, 209.3 guaranteed, and an annual average of $17.44 million. Man is made of money now. Tom Brady had came out. He was in an interview asking where he was during training camp, and his response was, I'm 45 years old. There's just a lot of shit going on. I think it's time that we give Tom Brady a bit of slack, you guys. Rory McIlroy is now the first ever three-time FedEx Cup winner with a come-from-behind victory to win the Tour Championship, banking an $18 million payout for the victory. The NFL Top 100 players voted by the players released their top 10 list and they're in the process of ordering them. Coming out to Tom Brady, Aaron Donald, Aaron Rodgers, Cooper Cup, Jonathan Taylor, TJ Watt, Devontae Adams, Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Ramsey, and Travis Kels. Albert Pujols has recorded yet another record. Earlier this week with his two-run homer off of Ross Detweiler, he has officially set the MLB record with home runs hit off of 450 different pitchers. That's incredible. John Wall came out and gave some heartbreaking news that said his adversity through the last few years. He had thought about committing suicide, tearing his Achilles, his mom passing, his grandma passing a year later. It's a lot to deal with no matter how grown of a man you are. It's okay to grieve. WNBA star Candace Parker becomes the first player of all time to record 15 points, 15 rebounds, 5 assists, and 5 blocks in a game. Not just the first ever to do it, but she's also done it three times in her career. Johan Duran becomes the first pitcher in MLB history to throw an off-speed pitch of 100 miles an hour with a splitter. Unbelievable. Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos have agreed to a contract extension of five years, $245 million with $165 guaranteed. The deal ties Wilson to Denver for seven total years and $269 million. And lastly, professional golfer Cam Smith, who not so long ago won the Open Tournament, has officially transferred over to the LIV Golf Group. As they say, another one bites the dust. All right, you guys, that about wraps everything up here for the fast break and this week's episode being number 40 of the Box Score Sports Podcast. I'm proud of it. I'm excited. We're up to 40 now. Just a quick reminder, guys. The business cards I had before, unfortunately, the QR code wasn't valid. Shit happens. We'll move on from it. But I did order new ones. So if you are looking to get a shipment of some cards sent to you for distribution purposes or just to have one of your own, please reach out to me on socials, whatever it may be. If you have my contact information, reach out to me personally. Thank you guys so much for tuning in for another episode of the Box Score Sports Podcast. I will see you next week for episode 41 and week one of the NFL is starting. I will see you next week. Peace out. Took my baby to the highest high.